so here's the tricky thing. Okay, what if somebody doesn't hear it? What, what if somebody doesn't hear the gospel? Like we're saying here, the gift's given to everybody. So that's why we want to get out and share it with people so they can know what's extended to them so they can receive it. They've never heard the gospel. What, what happens? You're listening to If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is like following Jesus. My name's Tim, and I'm in Family Life's radio department. My name is Tately, and I'm in the events department. My name is Becky, and I'm in the development department. Going through the Book of Romans, we're so glad to have you along with us. Any episode you start listening to is a great one to start with. As we say often, hopefully as often as we can on this podcast, we're not pastors. We don't have ministry degrees or anything. Uh, We're just looking at God's word and seeing what truths we can get out of it and what encouragement we can get from it. And that's absolutely the case here too. We're looking at Romans chapter 10 and Paul is talking about, uh, he kind of starts in the middle of a story here. So basically he's, he's looking at the people of God, the Israel nation, and how so many of them have not accepted God's plan of salvation through Jesus. Uh, So that's kind of the them that he's starting this off with here, just for a little context. So we're going to look at these 21 verses here. And Tately, would you be glad to start us off? Yep. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. For Moses writes about the righteousness that is based on the law, that the person who does the commandments shall live by them. But the righteousness based on faith says, do not say in your heart who will ascend into heaven, that is to bring Christ down, or who will descend into the abyss, that is to bring Christ up from the dead. But what does it say? The word is near you in your mouth and in your heart, that is, the word of faith that we proclaim. Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. For the scripture says, everyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. For there is no distinction between Jew and Greek. For the same Lord is Lord of all bestowing his riches on all who come to him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they have never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? And how are they to preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. But they have not all obeyed the gospel. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed what he has heard from us? So faith comes from hearing and hearing through the word of Christ. But I ask, have they not heard? Indeed they have. For their voice has gone out to all the earth and their words to the ends of the world. But I ask, did Israel not understand? First, Moses says, I will make you jealous of those who are not a nation. With a foolish nation, I will make you angry. Then Isaiah is so bold as to say, I have been found by those who did not seek me. I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. But of Israel, he says, all day long, 
I have held out my hands to a disobedient and contrary people. So Paul kind of ends this chapter here, sort of where I, I think it'd be cool for us to loop it back around to the beginning of the chapter. The people of God, the Jewish nation of Israel, tried to find God, tried to be saved in a way that wasn't ultimately going to do it, in a way that was through following the law and putting your faith in your ability to uphold the law, um, and that would be what got you favor in God's eyes. God's not going to save us through our own ability if we're trying to approach him on our own. That's not the gospel. The gospel is that we accept what he's done for us, and the gospel is front and center the whole book of Romans, and I want to know if we, I'd love it if we could just talk for a little bit here about like the basic gospel principles that Paul lays out here in Romans 10. What sticks out to me is the thought that I'm so glad that it's not based on the law, that it's as simple as confessing with my mouth that Jesus is Lord and believing in my heart that God raised him from the dead. It's a matter of trust and belief rather than works and perfection. And I know for me, that makes me so happy because I'm a perfectionist and I hmm. like things to be, I like to do things perfectly and I don't measure up all the time in so many ways. So how could I pos possibly measure up to the God of the universe if it was based on laws and works and being that perfect person? And it just, it brings like a huge sigh of relief of, oh, yes, it is not on works or law, but it's on faith and trust and just that huge, huge concept, but it's given to us in such, such a simple, here, trust and believe, and here's why. It, it almost seems contrary to what we were just saying, but it's not. Um, how knowledge and belief is not enough. We know that we're told even the demons believe and the Israelites had lots of knowledge and it didn't save them. Um, there's still an action step of confessing with your mouth. Mm. There's still that that choosing to no longer follow the law, but follow Christ. And um, I, it kind of reminded me of Plato's allegory of the cave, although I don't think Plato was trying to be biblically correct. Can you break down the the, the imagery of the, the fire and stuff? Yeah. So now I hope I do it <laughs> justice. Plato's allegory of the cave is essentially these guys are sitting in a cave. There's a fire behind them and there's people walking outside of the cave and they're sitting there and they're seeing the shadows and they believe the shadows are a reality that the shadows are what's what's real and that the shadow of a man is what man is. And I believe one turns around and realizes, hmm. oh, we've only been seeing the shadow of reality. Here it is. And the other people won't turn around because they mm. don't they don't want to be faced with what they've believed their whole life isn't true. Mm. You know, you can be facing a wall and thinking what you're looking at is reality. And then you can you can know that something behind you is is better for you. And you can fully believe that what's behind you is better for you, but it's going to do you absolutely no good until you actually turn around. Yes. You have to turn your back on what you've been previously going towards. You don't have to do anything. It still is 100% Christ. Hmm. But 
someone can 100% go and buy you a gift and pay for that gift and hand you that gift, you can look at that gift in their hand and say, wow, I believe that's a good gift. I know all about that gift. But until you take that gift, Mm. it's not doing you any good. So even though there's absolutely nothing we can do, there's there's still a, a amount of responsibility on our part. You know, you can have all the knowledge in the world, but you still have to accept it and live by it. It's not something that you are actively having mm-hmm. to, uh, well, so, I don't want to say not active because it is active. Like faith is active. Like the choice to follow Christ and to receive what he did for you is an active thing. It's not a passive sort of thing, but it's not an earning kind of thing. So we would never say that there's anything you do that earns it, of mm-hmm. course, but there is something that you have to acknowledge. So you have to respond to. You could also say it as a choice. Like, yeah, yeah. I, like it's another way of saying it, like a response. Like you have a choice to keep facing what you've been facing or to turn around and face the new thing, if I'm going back to the allegory. So, you know, you can have, you can know about something, but you still have a choice of whether or not to accept it. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm. A, a choice of what you're going to do with it. Yes. Are you going to accept it and welcome it and use it to its fullest potential? Or are you going to reject it and walk away from it? Both require some kind of action, mm-hmm. but it's that choice of, oh, I know this is here and it's in front of me and what am I going to do with it? It's a choice that uh, is open to everyone. It is not, it is not one specific nation that gets to be special and chosen and saved by God. Yeah, I love how in verse 11, it says, everyone who believes will not be put to shame. And so right there, it clues us in. Everyone is included Mm -hmm. in this. Um, And then in verse, the the following verse, there's no distinction between Jew or Greek. And in that time, when the Bible was written, you were a Jew or you were not a Jew, a Greek. So that was their two big categories of people. And here it's saying it doesn't matter what nationality you are, what color you are, where you came from, what your heritage is. None of that matters. We're all the same before the Lord. And then it repeats itself again in verse 13. And it says, for everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. And it just it's so clear and evident. It just keeps repeating itself. Everyone doesn't matter how, what your body looks like or who you are or where you're from. And then it reiterates with everyone again. And I just think it's so cool that we're all on the same page, all on the same platform. We're all standing before Christ in this choice of, am I going to accept the free gift that he's given me or am I going to not accept it and reject it and walk away from it? And it just... It encourages me and it blows my mind that it, it, it's just literally for everybody, no strings attached. It's for everybody. The gospel is meant to be heard by everybody. It's meant to be shared with everybody in the world. It doesn't just belong to one special nation. God's opened up this program of saving the world to everybody. It's open enrollment. Everybody who sees Christ, everybody who hears the gospel preached can respond to it. And that brings us pretty neatly into what he has to say in kind of the second part of this chapter, because I don't know, is this, and I'm, this is not like just a facetious question. I really do mean it. Like, what are your thoughts here? Is this 
a call to missions? Is he is he putting out a call here with the kind of the things he says, like, how are they to believe unless they hear? I read it as he's saying, you know, so now you know, here here's the gospel. It's open to everyone. Oh, you accepted it? Now what? Okay. Um, yeah. You know, what are the next steps and the next steps should be sharing it? Hmm. And and I kind of read it as now go. Now go tell other people. Hmm. Um, take what you've learned and share it. And I think it's kind of cool because, I mean, God is God. He's capable of reaching people in whatever, you know, he could send every single person their own personal angel that pops up and says, here's the gospel. <laughs> he could do that. Hmm. And he can he can do whatever he wants to reach the people he wants, but he chose to let us be a part of it. Yeah. And and it's not some chore we're assigned. It's some privilege we're given mm. of, um, you know, you you now get to be a part of this work. And it shouldn't be something where we're like, oh, now I have to go do this. It should be exciting. Like, if we truly understand how beautiful everything we've been reading in Romans is, the next logical response should be, I want to go share this. Hmm. Yeah. And I love that you said, Tately, that it's a privilege to get to share because I get thinking about it and I'm like, when I get passionate or excited about something because it can be any form of good news or something exciting to me happened, one of the first things I want to do is I want to share it to everybody who's around me, whether I know them or not. Mm -hmm. um, I just get so excited that everybody just has to know that this great thing just happened. And if I truly grasp that concept of how great salvation is and the Lord is and all of the things that we've read and talked about up to up to this point, I would think that that would give me the passion and the desire to talk about it. And more back to your question, Tim, of like, is this a call to missions? Um, I think it comes down to kind of how you define missions. Like, I think a lot of times when we hear the word missions, we think overseas in a foreign country amongst the people we don't really know. Um, but if if we go back to everyone, this is open, this is a gift for everyone, then everyone is our mission field. So the people that are right in our community, the people that we work with, the people that we go to the grocery store with, or we're on a walk and we meet them on a walk, everyone, mm -hmm. everyone is included in this gift. So everyone needs to hear about it because if they don't hear about it or know about it, then how are they going to respond? Um, which can be to me kind of a daunting task of, oh, there's a lot of people in my area. There's a lot of people around me. How can I, I can't do this by myself. And no, I can't do it by myself. I have the Lord within me and a body of Christ around me to help me do that with. Um, and then one thing that I love that it points out is how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good news. And if I boil that down, it's like, I can preach in a sense to anybody who's around me. I can share that good news to anybody who's around me and right here it's saying it's a beautiful thing for me to do. Mm. And just keeping that in mind, it helps kind of simmer down some of that fear of there's so many people around me. My mission field is so big. Yes, but, but God is there and God is so big and it's a beautiful thing to share. 
So here's the tricky thing. Okay, what if somebody doesn't hear it? What, what if somebody doesn't hear the gospel? Like we're saying here, the gift's given to everybody. So that's why we want to get out and share it with people so they can know what's extended to them so they can receive it. You know, the classic like desert island question, somebody who's born, lives and dies on a desert island, like they've never heard the gospel. What, what happens to that person? He does say, you know, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how are they to believe in him of whom they've never heard? And how are they to hear without someone preaching? So I almost think he's not giving us an answer to this desert island scenario, but he's kind of, he's kind of giving us a mission either way, I think maybe. He's not saying, oh, well, don't worry, God will handle that scenario because that's just unfair. And he's also not saying, oh, this is what happens in every single case. But he's saying, hey, look, let's just do the math here. If people need to hear about him in order to be saved, then who's going to do the preaching? How are they going to hear unless somebody's preaching? It's like he's he's not really getting into that question per se, but he's kind of giving us an implicit answer. Like, don't wait, just preach if you can. Like, if you can get the message out there in whatever way you can, do it. Looking at the famous, well, what if someone was on a desert island and they never deserted? I think you have to look at it again as... God is God. He doesn't need us. He can do anything, and it's not really for us to question his methods. And it makes me think right down here, 20, I have shown myself to those who did not ask for me. Mm. Um, He can show himself to anyone in whatever way he sees fit. And and the Bible indicates to us that he does do this. you know, the heavens declare, man is without excuse, creation itself shows God instead of um, walking away from it as, well, too bad for them. I don't know. Mm-hmm. We have to know like, well, God is God and he's sovereign and he's going to do what he's going to do, even if I don't understand how or why, or like we talked about last week, if it's fair or not. Um, and we just have to do our little part in our little corner of the world and trust him to do the rest. (laughs) I love something that you touched on there, and that is that it says in other parts of the Bible, and one thing that I've been reminded of and encouraged to do is when I get to a passage like this where it's a bit confusing or raises these type of questions is find other spots in the Bible that talk about the same thing and use the Bible to help answer its own questions because we know Mm. the Bible is true and that it's accurate and that what it says is legitimate. Um, And so I think of those different parts of, Mm. you know, even the rocks will cry out his name and, you know, the heavens declare his glory. And so that gives me comfort is I can look at these other passages and know that God makes himself known through various different things. And how he sees fit to know that someone has that opportunity in their lifetime to believe in him before they perish. That doesn't necessarily answer our question, but for me personally, it helps comfort me of knowing, hey, let's dig around in the Bible and find out what else it has to say about this to help get some clarity on it. Super good. A couple things we can hold together at the same time because their scriptural truths are what you, Becky, and you, Tately, have just touched on, I think it's super insightful that one, 
the gospel is essential to salvation because it's how we're saved. That's that's what that is. That's what this book is about. Mm-hmm. Two, God reveals himself. And even like you pointed out earlier, Tately, in this chapter, God reveals himself in mysterious, unsought-for ways. And then three, we still have to share the gospel. You know, if 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 we're reading any part of God's word in such a way that makes us say, whew, I don't have to witness anymore. That would have been uncomfortable. <laughs> okay, we're reading it wrong if we're saying that. Um, whatever we believe about this, we can't really ignore any of those three truths, that the gospel is essential to salvation, that God reveals himself in ways that we don't expect and sometimes we don't even seek. And three, regardless of it all, it's our responsibility and and our privilege to get to share the gospel and let people know how good and just how gracious our loving God is through his gospel. Thank you for joining us for If That Makes Sense, the family life podcast about what life is really like as a young adult following Jesus. If you enjoy the show, please send it to a friend. Your genuine appreciation of the show is the best way for word to get out. And it would make our day if you left us a rating and a review wherever you found this episode. Family Life has more great original podcasts that you can check out at familylife.org slash podcast. Thanks again, and we look forward to having you along for the next one.